The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, we are joined by two of my friends, none other than the inspiring, bold, badass herself, Anne Haish, and her good friend, fellow podcast co-host of Better Together and CEO of the Duffy Co., Heather Duffy. And you ready for this? I got some I got some stuff for you here. Anne got her... St- here we go. Let's pump your tires a little bit. And got her start on soap opera Another World. She made her film debut in 1993's An Ambush of Ghosts. In 2002, she made her Broadway debut. Her performance of the 2004 movie Gracie's Choice received a Primetime Emmy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress, and her acting in the Broadway show 20th Century earned her a Tony Award nomination for Best Actress in a Play. All along the way, She has played an influential role in history on moving the needle for the LGBTQ rights. She faced many career highlights and setbacks that she discusses in her book titled Call Me Crazy, a memoir. And we're excited to hear all about them and have this dynamic duo on. Anne and Heather, thank you so much for being here today. My tires are inflated. It is a pleasure to be here. You said some things I didn't know. Oh, actually. see, that, that, no, that's and I write your now bio. Now we're going to test that because she, she, I, I damn well can guarantee that she does not know what the heck Gracie's choice is. I do. No. <laughs> this is. I that. like to tease her sometimes, Jason, because she is. Well, you know, before she became my business partner, she was my PR, and I tease her because she knows about as many of my movies as I do. That which, that banter right funny. there is exactly what I want to start off with because that banter <laughs> that everyone just heard is exactly what I heard, and I heard that. So Caitlin was on Dancing with the Stars with Anne and I heard what they would have to do is Zoom calls because you couldn't meet in person. And I would hear you two like taking over the meetings, <laughs> having so much fun. And I'll never forget, it was a Disney theme night and Anne had a sip of wine and you're talking about how you guys need the Mickey gloves and you got all these ideas. And I'm just <laughs> laughing at like we your banter joking. back and forth. We, we Heather's taking sarcastic. the wine away from, from Anne. And <laughs> so tell me about your partnership. Like how, how did it start when you were on the show? What was it like? Is it friends and business partnership? Break it down for me. In your lifetime, how challenging has it been for you to actually have a business partner or let someone into your personal situation like that, knowing how many people are probably out there trying to get a cut, trying to find an angle, trying to use you as a stepping stone? And like, what was your process like to vet all these people out of your life? Well, it was difficult because I was raised in an upbringing that was very poor. And I think one of the things, there are very many complications about my life, which you'll be able to read about in the book. But the fact of the matter is I uh, I ended up as a homeless child when I was 12 years old with wow. my family. And, and the reason that I say that is to really deposit and understand there was 0% guidance in my life. I was raised in a cult. So the only book that I could read was the Bible. And I was then taken through so many different moves in my life. My parents running away from the government, running away from housing, running away. So I went from Ohio to South Jersey, one of the only people you'll ever meet who was raised in Atlantic City, New Jersey. There's not many success stories that come out of Atlantic City, New sure. Jersey. And I was there when, when the first, when resorts went up, Trump's first casino. But the foundation of having z- zero guidance 
made me very afraid of people. First of all, my trust levels were were minimal. By the time I got to Hollywood, I had I, I I didn't trust anybody, and I didn't know who to ask advice to. And I would say, looking back, this is something we'll circle back to. If I had understood, if I had the presence and the knowledge and the patience to listen, to hear, to think that it, what anybody was telling me, I probably would have had a little bit less rocky, rocky road from the outside looking in. So, but but. I would say, I mean, you said, how difficult was it? Very difficult. I became the breadwinner for my family when I was 12 years old doing dinner theater in a place called Swainton, New Jersey. And from then also have raised my two families and supported both of the men who are the fathers to my children. So finding a place where I felt like my money, my success, and my being, my spirit and soul were protected was very difficult. And I was very wounded along the way, making decisions that I didn't have anybody to ask how I could get help help out of. So it took me a long time. When I say a partnership with Heather now has been three and a half years, I'm 52 years old. And in order for me to find and trust, I needed to solidify the foundation of friendship. Mm -hmm. I hadn't had that before. I didn't, I, because I I didn't go to college, I didn't have a group of friends. I was, I went into a soap opera when I was 17 and we worked 17 hour days and all of my friends were adults, but then I didn't have those when I came out to Hollywood. So the nurturing of the friendship, I I would say, is what had to happen first. Mm -hmm. And as I nurtured the trust of that friendship, I was able to start to weed out the people that weren't giving me good advice along the way. So that took time. That took Time and uh, and some testing, and then when the I, day I came, didn't realize. Not, I mean, <laughs> I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "I just I came around know. for the ride." You were my money ticket. Whatever. What is he talking about, anyways? Well, we really started working more together on uh, Dancing with the Stars, as you know, That's through Caitlin yes. was a lot. Yeah, it was way yeah. more than anybody realized they signed on for. That's you, correct. So, to, so to keep, do you mean like the time dedicated to dancing? Do you mean the administrative stuff? Like what specific? The administrative, like just keeping up with all the where you had to be and where. And at this time, it was the height of COVID, and my PR business was highly focused at that time on restaurants. So I found myself with a little more time than I usually had <laughs> in it. COVID. So right. I was available to help her. She's like, will you help me do this? And we're probably not allowed to say this, are we? That, because this is secrets, but. What do you mean? This trading secrets. We're telling all our secrets. We're talking about the difficult stuff. That's what we're doing. Dancing with the Stars paid me a little stipend. Oh, nice. Damn. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the like fact I of the matter is, they told, us, they told us not to tell anybody that. Yeah. So I maybe mean, we'll be in trouble. Well, and then now I don't whatever. think we can retro, I, I don't think we can retrofit the stipend that you got. But so it was, it, it she needed help to get sure. shepherded through because she's got a lot of skills. And uh, I have uh, and, keeping and, and up there on emails and phone calls and calendars and what uh. decisions she needs to make and that's just not her forte. Funnily enough, <laughs> it's not mine either. <laughs> that's what we joke about. Like, and that's hey, what the are funny you part? Like, I no. but wait. All of a sudden, I'm the tech guru that has to put together this ring light. What do I have? An engineering degree? Like, <laughs> no. Exactly. Be- because when I would start, leave her with a box of, okay, so- They would oh, hand you all this they, technology. You a box. Here's a camera. Here's a light. And now we're going to do an um, 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 international uh, press junket. There you go. You guys take it and, and, and go for it. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go put on some mascara. I think I got to be in front of camera. Can you do this? <laughs> I have a video of Heather surrounded by equipment. Three in the morning three because in the it was morning, good morning America. We getting ready to go and good Everybody morning America. Everybody else had gone to bed. <laughs> at 7 a.m. You we guys, thought like, wait, we stayed away. 
stay up through the night? Like, weren't you drinking? What do you think? What do you think? We tried to drink less, but by the time Good Morning America came on, I have to tell you, Heather was flat on her back on the green sofa that's behind us, but we were in a different house. I was on the couch. And I was making Mickey Mouse jokes. I don't know what the hell I was doing. (laughs) But it was the first time we were coming face to face with anybody else who was on the show. And then I saw everybody on the show and then I'm like, Heather, who are these people? They were all glammed up too. Everybody was You better put on some more blush or something. I remember one when it was Good Morning America when you were like, you go, all right, I'm looking at everybody. Do we have Taylor Swift here? Is she in the show? And I was just (laughs) dying laughing. Well, Heather said, and be careful because you're not going to know anybody. But before we're done with Dancing with the Stars, it was very important that we crafted your story because not a lot of people knew that. And we can talk about that later. But I think that became the intent. What started was the shaping of understanding how to put my story, my understanding, and my belief system in place for people. And so Heather crafted with the producers a real kind of way for us to- I was working for them. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) A way for us to kind of talk about what happened 20 years ago when when I stood up for for equal rights and the right to love gender free and all of the things at that time, because there was only gay and straight at that time, all of the things that were in in between, which was me talking about love and, and freedom and light and and, and uh, it did not connect the way that I thought it would 20 years ago. And we began to really talk about that clearly and succinctly once Dancing with the Stars gave us the opportunity to tell the story of Ellen. In a and minute, 30 seconds. Did, in a minute, 30 seconds. Story, a minute, 30 seconds we had. Yeah, well, I, telling that story was, I think, just beautiful. And it's something that I didn't know the specifics of. So yes. it's great to see, like, I guess, like, maybe different generational gaps or someone that didn't know. Like, I'm so glad. Of I mean, course. Like, the only thing I do remember, and I don't even know if you want to, like, at the end, me saying this, just drop it, because this is just, like, off the cuff, I'm thinking of it, is I do remember they told that story. And that was what kind of pissed me off a little bit, is that was the same night that you went home. Like, I was going to say, bull- let's talk like, about this. this is bullshit. I was going to say it if you didn't. It, it, yeah. it was bullshit. I come from a PR background, and I thought there's... Even if you were horrible out there, which right. you weren't, you were great. They, from a PR perspective, they can't vote you off that night. And then when they did, I was shell shocked. I was too. I wish they would have told the story like almost first week because it was to, a bad to go move. home that night after that like emotional roller coaster. It was a very bad wow. move. We left. We, well, we left. We didn't well, do press. We left. Here, yeah. Here's something that when you talk about trading secrets, I need, and I don't want to slam the door on it because it is and it has been a pattern of my life. When I speak the truth, some yeah. really, some, I get a negative reaction and yeah. get shut down. And because I had just told that story, it was a bit shocking that they would make the move on that very day. And what people don't understand is I was talking about being blacklisted. When I talk about blacklisted, what that means is after I took Ellen DeGeneres to the volcano premiere 20 years ago, four days after I met her standing up for the right for people to love who they want to love, I was fired from a $10 million picture deal. Wow. And I didn't do a studio movie for 10 years. 10 years, I was not able to do a studio picture. And people don't understand. And now, if we had had the knowledge that we have now, and what would have happened then, I would have sued the hell out of the company and right. I would be rich. Well, I say yeah. she's patient. She's patient zero in the cancel culture. Really? Yeah. Can I want to, can I rewind for one second? Because you said something that someone might not totally understand when you're bringing the magnitude of this. You said studio picture. Studio so someone, a nurse at home or a teacher and they hear still, okay, that means nothing to me. What does that mean? I understand. A studio picture means, now there are there were many studios at that time. There were probably five studios and I'm talking Sony, Universal, Warner Brothers, Fox, 
and um, probably uh, Paramount Pictures. But th- and they've all they they now all merge because basically uh, uh, vodka companies own them, Lic- liquor yeah. companies basically own Sony. But uh, what I what happened was I got my life saved by Lifetime because now Lifetime, you can say it's a network. It's not a studio. So studio movies, which were being made at the time, which now, I mean, they're still being made, are the ones when you talk about studios, the ones you go to the movie theaters they're to like see. like blockbuster. That's the big like, deal. It's not necessarily blockbuster. It's whatever you see in the movie theater. But the deal okay. is that he's trying to clarify is that you have an agreement for this amount of money. You have to make this amount of movies for yes. them. Yes. So after Volcano, I had already signed a deal before I did Volcano for three more pictures to follow. And that deal equaled $10 million. I was fired from that deal, did not work in a studio picture for 10 years. And what was shocking about, and if I had known, right, of course I would have sued them, uh, but we didn't know about equal rights. We didn't even understand. I didn't understand what was happening, to be quite honest with you, how it could possibly happen that I was being fired for taking a woman. That is what then set my life in order. The the reaction that I got made me did the exact opposite of what I think they wanted it to do because they right. wanted to shut me up and shut me down. I was talking about equal rights, right? Well, yeah. they tried. And instead, because of the reaction, I became more, it just my soul became very focused and dedicated on the fact that I was going to find out why that happened, what happened and what I could do to fight it in the real world. However, what happened the night of Dancing with the Stars, and I want to connect to this. Yeah. If I had gone on to another dance, I would have made thousands more dollars. And what they did was stop the original contract, which is five, which was five weeks. And they fired me before I could make more money. That to me was one of the most shocking uh, things. People I saw see. me get kicked off, which seemed like an accident. Nobody understood that Tara was, nobody understood what was going on. There was a little kerfuffle, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Who does get voted off? The fact that I got voted off stopped me from financially I gaining see. any more money in the competition. Oh my. So that was like a trigger point because you lost this 10. So with that $10 million deal you lose with the studio deal, is that was that after that you had walked the carpet? I walked the carpet on a Thursday night. I was fired on Friday. I was told on Thursday night that I was going to get fired if I took her by a gay woman who was the head executive at Fox. And by the way, it was a perfect storm because it was also the same week that Ellen famously came out on her sitcom. It was all the same week. I met Ellen. Just give a timeline. I met her on Sunday night at the Vanity Fair party for the Oscars. Sure. Tuesday night, she was coming out on her TV show. Wednesday, I was doing the press junket for Volcano at the Four Seasons and told that I wasn't going to be able to take her because they were going to fire me. Thursday night, I took her. Friday, I was fired. Unbelievable. And at this same time, she was up for six days, seven nights. And the studio didn't want her now because they thought, how could a gay woman be play a believable opposite Harrison. play opposite Harrison Ford? And, and they that, went public with it. Ivan Reitman went public with to, to the LA Times and said, I, I, I very much am against hiring Anne for this movie. And it that was a traumatizing Friday for me, as you can imagine. And for Ellen, because she was also told that it looked a little bit like maybe the Ellen show was going to be canceled. When I met Ellen, I didn't even know who she was. Wow. I didn't even know she had a TV show. But the fact after she talked to me and said that she was coming out on her show made me see love in a way that I had never seen it before because of yeah. my abuse. The trust and the unbelievable truth that she was telling is what made me make the decision. I only met her four days before. But when the phone rang, on a on that Friday morning after I was fired, 
it was still when, and I, Jason, I don't know if you're old enough to know these things. Phones used to be on kitchen walls. Oh, and I remember. And they used to ring. <laughs> <laughs> Your parents used to answer it yep. when you got called from school. So I picked up the phone. We were both so hesitant and nervous to even pick up the phone because everything was bad news. Yeah. And I pick up the phone and the idea, hello, uh, is Anne there? Is she? It's Harrison. Harrison who? Do you know another? No, <laughs> I don't. Because I had just met Harrison Ford that Tuesday. Wow. So now this is Monday. Tuesday, I met Harrison Ford. Wednesday, again, this is my press junket. Thursday, Friday, I'm fired. Friday afternoon, Harrison Ford says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn who you're sleeping with. We're going to make the best romantic comedy there ever is. And Harrison Ford stood up for me. And he is the reason why I I still have the voice that I have today. Not because I can't sing my guts out. Because that made it something nobody else could ever possibly understand. He put the most famous lesbian who's not a lesbian in his movie at the moment and the crux where somebody had to stand up and be a hero. And he wow. plays them in the movies, but he's a hero in real life. He has given the opportunity for me to continue. Because he had the voice. power to say, I want to be say, her. I and want he used her. it. He said, I'm more, he said, you know what, guys, she's more interesting than most. And, <laughs> and so you were essentially fired. And because he stepped up to the plate, yes. rehired. He rehired me. Wow. And, after, and then that was my story. last movie. Wow. That was my last, that was my last go to the movie theater movie. Gotcha. I can, I can totally see though where 20, 20 years later, this happens again and it just brings you back to all those memories. Yeah. And now I'm, I have a movie coming out next week on Friday called 13 Minutes and my second disaster movie. And it's since Volcano. So it's amazing that I have this huge movie coming out. And in the movie, I play a mother who rejects her son for being gay. Oh so this gosh. story and the history and the incredibleness of that we talk about in timing in the world. My book is coming out. Yeah. We are here. We are doing better together as a podcast. And um, I and I have a movie. I'm back in the theaters. All right. So th- th- what's awesome about so wild about your career too is I mean this is 30 years in a game yeah. where people get chewed up and spit out in 30 minutes. Tell me about the movie that you're in when it comes out and then who also stars in it and what we could look forward to. Oh, Heather, do you, I mean, do you have to listen to your head in 13 minutes? Who all is in it? Uh, Amy Smart. Oh, Amy Smart. Trace Atkins. Trace Atkins plays my husband, by the way. Peter Facinelli. Yes. Is Thora Birch. Thora Birch is in it. Anne Hate. And Anne Hate. I mean, that's their, that, those <laughs> that, are your headliners. That is amazing. What a career. There's I'm some other actors in there that. that were fantastic whose names I unfortunately don't know, but they were so Well, good. Will, I mean, the, the, the oh, boy who yeah. plays my son, I mean... Again, and I, I, and Jason, I have to admit, I mean, I'm, it's a little emotional for me because honestly, we just did the press junket for 13 minutes and Heather looked at me this morning and was like, do you understand how cool it is that 20 years later, it's unfortunate you still have to be an actress who tells these stories, but that's why you stood up for what you stood up for 20 years yeah. ago. And to be able to have the honor of being able to be now the woman you want to throw tomatoes at on the screen, because this has to end, quality has to be a part of all of our, like all of our system, but it's not quite yet. And I was a part of that the stepping stone, as you said in, in your opening, and thank you so much. I feel very proud to be part of that needle. And I feel proud to be two women who are continuing to stand tall and firm in in that message and messaging that we do, hopefully with a lot of sense of humor and joy and light and laughter and kindness, but we're still doing it. And, and I feel very proud to have this partnership for that reason. Well, I think yeah. it's been interesting, the film, because of the character you play, it opened the door to have these conversations about what happened yeah. 20 years yeah. ago. 
And I, I don't think that you've ever been like properly. I don't think that anybody's made it right. I think that what Anne did back then mm-hmm. in making that stand for what she did, somebody said, do you think you'd be treated differently today <laughs> if you brought a woman to a premiere? And the answer is <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm the reason you can, I hope. And that's yeah. the reason why, Seriously. because of the stand that she took. And people just kind of gloss over it now. And I just, I feel like there there hasn't been that moment where, and I feel like it's starting to happen. I feel like people are starting to realize like, oh wait, that was not cool. It was cute because I did Sandra Bernhardt's radio show this morning and Sandra, I mean, there's a funny thing about being a celebrity. We were talking about trading secrets. Like there are so many different assumptions that people make about celebrities or whatever. But of course, Sandra being the outspoken, unbelievable performer and comedian that she is throughout her life speaking of what, it's almost like she and I know each other. Like, sure. There's certain things like when you see somebody else and go, wow, it's funny that we weren't friends, which is what we ended up saying. But the fact of the matter is nobody stood up for me 20 years ago. Yeah. And Sandra said to me today, my God, I was like standing there watching and it seemed so unfair what was happening to you. But because there was no, what, what were you saying? It, it was, you don't, it, was, it was black and white. People didn't even, there was no gray. There was no, there was no gray. There was nobody saying like, I can love a woman or a, it wasn't, nobody's standing there up for no gender, for like love, equality, all of it. You support, were gay or you right? were straight, which right. is why Anne was so criticized when she married a man. They're like, like what kind of lesbian you are you? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm not a lesbian. No. I told yeah. everybody I'm not a lesbian. Like, but that's the only thing that I said. I, you have the right to choose. So I just you moved that so needle as well. And when you look at now that everybody can be what they want in all different variations of gray. <laughs> it's nice it, to have been a part of it. I feel like I have yeah. a little bit of a sewing box with the needles I moved. I yes. mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, the, first of all, the, the partnership you guys have, I think is unbelievable. And then Thank I you. love how, Heather, that the balance and the storytelling and, and the branding and marketing is just so important today. And Ed, it's so cool that you're doing it now in 2021. Thank and you're you. doing it 20, 30 years ago, but I also don't want to leave behind like uh, a really important thing that you said. And it was about 15 minutes ago. But when you said that you were, and it just hit me, that you're 12 years old and the word you used, and maybe I misheard you, but you said you were the breadwinner for your family at 12 years old. Yes. Working at a diner theater in New Jersey. Tell me what working a 12-year-old being a breadwinner means and like how you actually, Uh what kind of money were you making and what was that process like and any life lessons you learned through it? Oh, you're so sweet. But the money I made, I wouldn't buy the shoes behind you. I'll tell you that. Um, um, I... um, uh, my family was kicked out of their last house when I was 12. So we came home and there was yellow caution tape, like it was a crime scene. Wow. And when I got home from school, this was in a little town, in a little dry town called Ocean City, New Jersey. We kept moving down from Atlantic City down the coast, running away from the landlords who were chasing us. And however, my dad sweet talked his way. My dad was a very charming man. He was a con artist, and he was, uh, but he was really good at what he did, except making money. And so he had conned somebody into this uh, house where we were. And at that moment, he had a borrowed Cadillac uh, from his friend, and it was in the driveway. It was a stone driveway. And we, I, I got home to see my family staring at the house that was taped up. Mm-hmm. And we all had to get into the car, and we realized that we were going to be sleeping in the car that night. Mm. And it was, uh, it's a really odd feeling, that moment. <laughs> I had a brother and sister. Nathan was five years older than me. At, uh, Abigail was two and a half. And my mom and dad in the front. And we all knew it was the end of the lie, really. It, yeah. Everything was going to come out now. And we drove 
into Atlantic City and my father broke into a real estate office and took a set of keys, obviously from a lover that he had. My father lived a double life and took a pair of house keys from one of the houses they were selling and opened it up in the middle of the night and told us that we had to go in, not touch anything and sleep on the floor. The floor. And we were, because the house was for sale and we got in the car before school the next day and took the keys back to the um, to the real estate office and went to school not knowing what was going to happen next. Fortunately, I was a singer in church and there was a family that owned a dinner theater. And they said, you know what? We're doing a, an audition for a girl named Anna Marilla said, music man, and we want to know if you want to come and audition. I went and auditioned and I got the role. I got $100 a week. Nathan, my older brother, had told his friends that we had been living in a car and they asked us to come and live with us. And those sons moved into a one bedroom and put twin beds, three boys, all teenagers living in twin beds. Abigail, my mother, and I moved into another room. And their daughter, Sandra, moved up to the attic so that we could live with them. They thought it was going to be a couple of weeks, and it turned out to be a year of time. As I collected $100 a week at the dinner theater, and we started to be able to think about renting an apartment. It took us a year. My brother stacked newspapers until I got him a job at the dinner theater in our next show called Shenandoah and Nathan and I sang together and sang up until the night he died. He was 18. So a hundred bucks a week can go a long way now. And I have to tell you that it did. It, it, it began the beginning of my family getting themselves back together. My dad died a year later, exactly a year later when I was 13 years old. Oh and I gosh. started chasing the truth ever since. I knew that would be my life. I was by a dumpster and it was really ugly and funerals were bad and my brother died too and it was all a mess. And I said, I'm going to start telling the truth in my life. And it did create the... So when somebody said to me, you're not going to go with a woman who's standing up for the right to love who you want to love. And I thought that was the whole reason my family ended up in the dumpster. There's no way in hell I was going to say, okay, oh, but I won't take her. You need to clarify because you said your dad had a lover, but what you didn't say is that the double life he lived was a gay man. He was a gay man. And he was the first, one of the first men to die of AIDS in 1983. And he died a day the after before. he died, um, the New York Times put out an article calling AIDS the gay disease. So in AIDS that- AIDS was labeled that day. So in that moment, when his father, her father had just died, their family that was very involved in the church became lepers because wow. they, he was basically outed in that article. And that's when you had to flee to Chicago. And then we had to flee because we were, bl- I mean, we were, I was my, it's my a, first It's quite a life. Because at that time, at that time, nobody knew how AIDS was contracted. So nobody knew about my life of abuse or our, all of our family's life of abuse. People thought that if you breathed near a person, I mean, it really was, it was, a, it was the COVID. It was a pandemic. In fact, yeah. COVID is very similar to HIV. But, uh, what happened was the doctors told us we had to wait nine years to see if we were clean. So for nine years, we all thought we were going to die. You're sitting there on pins and needles, not when I was 14 years old. Oh my God. So there was a lot that you you couldn't say to me. Like there are some, you know, there are some people who are going to face things in life and go, wow, I have an option here. I say that choice is our biggest superpower. You can choose yes or no. And when I was given the option to stand up for something that I believed in versus going after the carrot that everybody thought I should, I was the it girl. I was it. I was everything. Whatever you want to dangle in front of somebody who says, wow, you made it. That's what they were dangling. And yet the fact of the matter is, well, I was given the privilege of standing up for what I believe in and who I am as a creator today. That's who, that's when I became who I am. Principle over money. And that's what obviously put you in that position. I mean, I love your story is amazing. So many of the parts of the story, and I had no idea about 
I want to ask you about your undergoing all of this, which is so much for a 12-year-old and then a 13-year-old and then an 18-year-old to endure. I mean, it's unprecedented. How were you able to manage all the emotions that were going on in your life and then still working on your career and making acting and singing a priority and somehow still accelerating your career? Like, How were you able to compartmentalize that and do it effectively? Because it's unbelievable when you think about it. Well, I say, I mean, not to quote my own book, but you don't get two cups of insanity in and get to take one cup out. So what everybody thinks is a great big deal that I did in my life, the fact of the matter is that's how much shit went in. It was that big. And my heart believed so profoundly that there was something better than the hatred I was raised in that I had to find out what it was. And to be completely honest with you, the belief in love is what made me do everything that I did. And the only way I could find it was if my talent led the way because that's all I had. Wow. And, so and I what, have to say, you are the uh, most optimistic person that, <laughs> that I know. And to retain that optimism... Yeah, I knew uh, it. I knew it existed. I found Heather, didn't I? Yeah, I have my kids, sure don't did. I? <laughs> so what was the first thing? So you let your talent lead the way. Now, uh, absolutely floored with your story. And, and so you get to the point where now your talent is driving the new end, the vision that you imagine and the life that you're going to lead, no matter who tells you what the rules are, you're going to break those rules and you're going to make it the end way. And you're going to stick up for what you believe in. What well, they did call the- me a wild animal set free from her cage when I came to Hollywood. I, it wasn't necessarily a really pretty sight. <laughs> <laughs> But tell, so tell That's me, like, so people, let's get into the industry a little bit now. Okay. You, okay, Emmy Award winner, Tony nominee. I mean, the list goes on. For someone that knows nothing about the industry, when was it or what was it that like really took your career off? Was it a certain break? Was it a certain audition? Was it being noticed by the right person? Was it moving to a different location? What was it within this industry that put you on a different trajectory? It's a great story. Do <laughs> you tell us? I'm going to take this one because it's yes. a great story. Good. So Anne, when I, we're picking up where we left off, where her father had died of AIDS and they had to move to Chicago. Yeah. So they moved to Chicago and Anne clearly has taken care of herself most of her life, realizes she has to enroll herself in school. Well, and my mom and I are in a little tenement apartment sharing a one bedroom, just so you know. And then and that's what I moved into and I had to find a school. So she okay. saw a school, it said high school, said Francis Parker High School. Little does she know that this is one of the most prestigious Uh, theatrical schools in all of Chicago. So she walks up and is in the hallway and meets the headmistress and says, you know, I need to enroll in high school. And the woman said, how old are you? And she said, this is a private school. And Anne said, what is that? And she said, that means it costs money to go here. And Anne says, well, I don't have any of that. Long story short, they give her a scholarship. Wow. So she goes to this school and joins the theater and, um, one night is in a play and Wilder skin of our teeth and Jennifer Beals also went to that school. And so did Daryl Hannah. So there was a casting director that got snowed in and said, what am I going to do? I'm snowed in in Chicago. Let me go back to that school, Francis Parker and see if I can find any talent. And she saw Anne in a play and offered her a job on a soap opera. And so the day Anne graduated from high school, she went to be on another world. 
And that was the start of her career. Did I get it right? You got it right, girl. <laughs> that is so, so obviously super talented and then being in the right place and right time and then like sticking up for what you believe in to be seen. Yes. I mean, that's, yes. what a story. It, that's, and, and I think that combination is what you're, you're trying, I mean, when we talk about luck or it's, it's preparation meets opportunity, you know, and you're, there is nothing that means more than being available for the angels that come your way. Mm-hmm. The being available, we were looking at a quote yesterday and it was, it was something that I will misquote, but the, the future isn't something you wish for. The future is the doors that you open. Yeah. And the ability, and I say part of my naivete helped me. I, I wasn't strongly educated in any grounding to be able mm-hmm. to understand which way the wind was blowing. I really didn't. When the casting director came back, I was in 10th grade and she's like, do you want to audition for your soap opera? I'm like, yeah, what is that? What's a soap opera? I didn't have a TV. Tell them what you made on the soap opera is audience. They always share. I was, I was like, just yeah. going to, that was going to be, you took the next oh. question. I was going to say, the question I was going to ask was on that soap opera, what did you make? And then the next question okay. I was going to ask to follow that is, you know, you've worked with, you already, you already said Harrison Ford, but Robert De Niro, Johnny Depp, some of these Big yes. I'm wondering like that soap opera to like one of like the biggest deals you did. How do they compare and contrast? Well, the soap opera probably paid me 500 a week, I think. But when okay. I, what was amazing was after I was offered the job in 10th grade, I didn't want to move with my mother. We were, we were, we were living in a very difficult life, yeah. very difficult situation. So I said no to the soap opera. The amazing thing is John Weitzel knew what my story was. We didn't even have a phone. We lived in an apartment building that that was like a hotel that had a phone system downstairs. So there was a phone in between our beds and that was the only phone that we had. We were so in debt that we couldn't get even a credit card. So John remembered, John called me back two years later and he said, I know what's up. And I know that you're going to be an adult soon because you're graduating. So do you want to come in? Do you want to come and audition again? <laughs> I'm working on right. another show. So when I arrived the day after I graduated, I was like, I got the job. John goes, you're an adult now. I, I fly to New York and he goes, I, and I go to Avenue M Studios, which is where the Cosby show used to shoot in Brooklyn, New wow. York, wow. and walk through the doors. And I walked down the street and I had this Bahama Mama t-shirt on. And I was a little, people, I used to call it shame weight. Like I was a little chunky and weird. I walked into John's office. He's like, oh my God, that's the same shirt you wore to the audition. You thought it was good to wear twice. Like get that (laughs) off your body. First of all, (laughs) second of all, I've hired you. You auditioned twice because you're going to play twins on this show. And I'm the only one who wanted you. So don't prove me wrong. Now get down the hallway and get your sexy on because Vicky's the bad girl of this show and you're going to okay. have to go figure out how to play her. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was, I got, I started as Vicky at about 500 bucks a week. And then when Marley came on, which was faster than I thought, I got double. And no. so I was making about a thousand bucks a week, which is more money than anybody could have ever heard of. And on a soap opera, the amazing thing thing is they can fire you after three months, but you have to stay no matter what. You have no option to leave. What? And after about three months, I started to be able to, my character, I had to quit my waitressing job. I was so afraid I was going to get fired. I got a waitressing job on the Upper East Side at this swanky restaurant so I could afford my rent. Yeah. And pretty soon I was saying, I got to get off this set. I got to go set my tables. And then at the tables, I was like, oh my God. Then people were starting to recognize me from the soap opera. (laughs) The waiters were like, what are you doing? Are you on a TV show? And people would see me like, are you actually serving me food? Aren't you you're Vicky? You're serving me bread, but you're like, on my TV screen. What the like, what's going, going on? on? And then I told him, John was like, are you waitressing? Are you actually telling people that you need to get off the set to go and set up your dinner tables? I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be here very long. He's like, 
Let me tell you something. You're the two most popular characters on the show. Would you knock it off? Quit your day job, would you? Yeah. <laughs> Quit your night job, your day job, Reigns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I started to be able to negotiate and make it very exciting to get. And I'm trying to think of what I went up to, but I would. I mean, by the time I left uh, another world, I had the only contract where I was contracted for 365 days. I was the first person to win a contract that was an entire year long. Wow. <laughs> because so that they would keep me the last year. So and that you wouldn't waitress. That was really cool. <laughs> and now let's skip to well, then six did, days, seven nights. Just well, because did you do a Lifetime about, movie in between then? Um, oh, no, Hallmark Hall of Fame with Jessica Lange. But uh, I'm never going to remember what my paychecks were there. But if you want to talk about... The vast difference, okay? Yeah. Cut to the six days, seven nights. Now, I was, I had done psycho. I was starting to get popular, okay? I think for, um, oh, I think for psycho, I made $800,000. A number wow. that- Nobody ever. So this was where I was getting, I was starting to negotiate these 10, 10 million. So I was going to do three pictures for $10 million. I mean, unreal. Yes. I had to wow. do three pictures, however long they took, but also yeah. you're in a deal with a studio. It's, it's as much Jeez. like saying I'm blacklisted as the enlisted, because if you're enlisted in a studio, all the studios want you because you're the it girl. Wow. And sure. when you're fired, you're the not it girl. And I became the not it girl. But when I was the it girl, it's that kind of money. And more wow. so, and it goes on and on and on. But because everyone was like, oh my God, Harrison said yes. So I don't know, negotiate the deal, just do it. They're like, you're not going to have to ask for anything. You are not asking for anything. Everybody, like all over the press is like, we don't want to hire Ann Hage. This is no gay girl can play a straight girl. I mean, it was oh. awful. So they said, just take anything you want. So for example, I think for six days, seven nights, I made $125,000 and for four months of shooting. What did Harrison make? And Harrison made, and I know this because I used to make fun of him. He made 20000 Twenty million dollars and a and twelve points off the first dollar made on the movie. So he would look at airplanes, which he likes to fly, airplane magazines, and I would go up and say, "Can I just have like I don't know, just give me one percent of your salary?" Like, but my God, you're buying a plane. Like, so Harrison's I mean, making I have like, like twenty million on this, and you're making like hundred twenty-five thousand, and he's getting points on the sale. Yes, I mean, yes. you talk about like monster gap. Yeah, monster. Ones monster. And, and by the way, I'm probably, I, he probably made more than that. I, I don't think he could probably wow. tell me if he was going to, but Harrison and I, I, I just want to say this. And the reason why I feel comfortable saying this for anybody who is listening, Harrison Ford truly is my hero. I have done oh. an honoring to him because the truth of the matter is that I owe him, I, I, I owe him my public life. I owe him the opportunity to still be speaking on this level. It's not that I wouldn't have st kept becoming and being the advocate that I am, but yeah. the platform that it gave me, I mean, when you say talk about things that are worth it, is worth so many more millions of dollars than yeah. anything that I could have made. But- wow. He did, by the way, buy a helicopter when we were there and I took his first solo <laughs> flight, I got to tell you. And he just made fun of me. He's like, you want some of this money? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Full circle. All right, and I, before we transition out of this industry, I got a few kind of like rapid fire things I was curious about. The one was your Emmy Award. Do people, like if you win an Emmy or an Oscar, things like that, or Tony, like you're, you're nominated, do you actually yeah. get like a compensation for that? Or is that just a resume builder that like makes you more uh, in demand? 
Um, I, I, um, I, no, there's no money compensation. I won my, uh, Emmy when I was in Nebraska shooting a movie with Jessica Lang that you were referring to earlier. Um, and I was at a motel six and it was right after I stopped the soap cause I was going to go and be a designer. And then there was like, well, oh, I got an offer with Jessica Lang. Might talk about open doors. I'll go. <laughs> so I'm doing old pioneers and in, in, um, in Nebraska and I'm watching the Emmys and I win and I'm eating a cheeseburger. I have a cheeseburger in my mouth and I win. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, now what? What do I do? Yeah. And I was like, I was all alone in my room. Like, do I celebrate? That's how naive I was. Like, literally, I'm like listening to them go, Anne can't be here to accept her award. I'm like, are they talking about me? <laughs> That's so weird. It would be nice if there was money. And I was like, it would be nice if there were money. So uh, that moment, I, 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 I called my agent and I said, I guess I'm an actress now, huh? And then four days later, I moved to LA. You know what actually costs money that you might not be aware of is a Hollywood star. You don't just get those. They cost 30 grand. I think- to Wait, for the Hollywood stars on, you yes, have to buy those? you buy them and you have to go through a process and get accepted. Wait, they you buy, pay for a Hollywood star? Yes, you know star? this would be such yes. an interesting interview. <laughs> yes. These are wait, secrets. Wait, yes, you Anne, pay for do you, it. So do, Anne, do you have a Hollywood star? No, but Hollywood Heather star? is well, certainly- Why do you think I know this information? <laughs> because I'm like, why don't you have a Hollywood star? So then I, I research it. I bet you that sometimes when you're in a big film, a studio of might course, pay of for that to does. make it of a big- But when you see that, it's- Who you does that get, money go towards? The county of LA? I think it probably goes to their- um, it goes to their business improvement district or oh uh, 30k yeah. to buy a Hollywood star. That's a trading secret. Okay. So, and, and one more thing I want to ask you about, so television movies or Broadway, which of the three is the most lucrative films by a long shot? Yes. Okay. If you're the it girl, if you're the not it girl, they're not very lucrative. <laughs> okay, understood. The last part about this, and industry, also you have to understand I, film. I'm just, sorry, to, because you're asking specifics. Independent film is different than studio films. So when I said I didn't do a studio picture, so that's different. Now people do independent films all the time. They're the smaller films you see. The movies that I just did, the one I have on Netflix right now, The Vanished, for I example. That movie, by the way, is thank you. That's an independent film. So those are the things that create film festivals, and then people go and then the studios buy them, or somebody or a distribution company it. buys them. So independent film, when people say like, my God. If you ever looked at my resume, so I want to clarify this for people. If you look at my resume, I've done a million damn movies, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the difference between a studio picture and an independent is the distinction that I'm making between studio money. movies. And the difference is major money. Because I can do, for example, usually an independent film, there are things that are called scale. And okay. there's and that's run by a union and it's SAG-AFTRA. So scale for an independent movie is something around, I would say, $50,000. Like if you're going to work for three months or something, the scale, the lowest budget is 50, say, around there. I don't know what the real okay. rules are, but it's something like that. To do a whole movie? To do a whole movie. And there yeah. are different, you know, it's like, and on a different TV roles. show, they have different levels. So they, a day player makes about $7,000. So what you're really doing when you go for a contract role, if you want to talk the true secrets, if I'm doing the lead of a show, I make anywhere from $50,000 an episode. Yep. If I'm the, if I'm the lead, if I'm okay. under contract to a hundred thousand dollars. And some people make, I mean, we've heard all about friends and the contracts they made years sure. ago, which is a million dollars. That's really not done anymore. But some people make a lot of money, um, especially on the shows that are like CSI and they run for year after year because your contract is getting bigger and bigger and you're getting more and more popular. So those are the ones that, I mean, if that clarifies. And, and no, interestingly, during COVID, a lot of actors to keep their insurance 
we uh, had to take whatever we I mean, would take would take jobs like you got dancing with the stars to be honest with you that's it was a big part of dancing with the stars not only a time and moment for us to share my voice but really truly the only job that was being offered to, I feel so blessed because I got to keep my insurance because of dancing with the stars I have huge amounts of gratitude it's a great way to balance was the insurance yes, I was pissed off that I was the stars or was it that no, sag it's, it's the no, sag, sag after because I made enough money to qualify you there have are to. not many actors who there are a lot of actors who did not and it would be how much money do you have to make to qualify for SAG? Um, I don't, it's different levels because there are different levels of insurance. Okay. There's oh, the okay, bronze, gotcha. there's you know, the silver. Right. So it's like to qualify for your bronze. You, so, so like there's actors that we know that are well known that I know were taking guest stars yes. on TV shows to keep up to their keep insurance. Up the insurance. And the thing is what happens with that wow. is- And they and would get was paid big, like 10 grand. Exactly. That. So what they do, what they know, what these companies know is- Oh, you know what? We can get the big time actors now to come and do TV because we know what's going on with COVID and everybody needs a job. The problem is then they start to think that you can do the same thing the next year, right? So if I accept a job for 10 grand for an episode of television, unfortunately, it's called a quote. And then it, and then people think that they can pay me get that. You so, for the same price. Yeah. Gosh. So, and I know COVID that $10,000 yeah. sounds like a lot of money. And I also want to clarify that for your listeners, $10,000 for an episode of television when I do it and say, I get two. So I was on all rise this year. That's $10,000 for six months of work. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that's, that's before so, agent fees, lawyer fees, right? Yes. It, it, so an agents take 10%, <laughs> a manager takes 10% and a lawyer takes 5%. And that's, if you have a business, manager, they take another five. And we all know with taxes, you should do anything from put 30 to 50 away. Once you start really looking at money, and, and this is one of the mis most thing, I, I would say number one thing that people confuse celebrities as having is money. <laughs> it's a job. We need to work. Now, I'm not talking about Harrison Ford money or Johnny Depp. I'm, I'm talking about working actors. I consider myself a working actor and I feel blessed that I am. But man, making ends meet is sometimes very difficult. If it weren't for Dancing with the Stars, and I will be completely honest right now, Dancing with the Stars paid me $100,000. That was what my paycheck was for the entire year. Wow. And that was one of the most difficult years I ever had. It was very difficult for me to get out of it. And I'm yeah. still trying to get out of it because of paying for private school. The thing is with COVID, the bills don't go away. Kids, sure. I had two kids in private school, one in Tulane. And I'll tell you what, even though they were doing online school, I still had to pay $40,000 a year for both of them. So when you start looking at $40,000 a year and your $100,000 paycheck and you haven't even started talking about rent or food, things get very difficult. And it got difficult for a lot of people, including me. And that is a absolutely perfect transition to what I want to talk about because both of you two have done this is that you're both working mothers going full speed That's and right. acting as a mother and guiding and leading uh, your mm -hmm. kids. And Heather, I know one thing that you did is you actually started a school, a charter school, Larchmont is my Larchmont understanding. I did because it was after one. the recession and I couldn't afford private school. No, <laughs> I think that hearing Anne talk about the fact that last year was one of her most challenging years and those bills don't go away and knowing that you taken your entrepreneurship to do that. Tell us a little bit about how you did that. I make the joke that I, it, it is true that I, I was struggling to figure out how I was going to pay for private school, but also in the neighborhood that I, that I live in, in, in Los Angeles, it was very diverse. So like kids would go to the park and you would see kids of all socioeconomic backgrounds playing together. Yeah. But when they got to school age, the kids separated solely based on their parents' socioeconomic status. So you could see what happens in the world, like right there. And then the playing field is not level. Yeah. So um, 
so we wanted to start, and I did it with two other moms and an educator, and um, we wanted to start a school that leveled that playing field and that gave kids the opportunity from kindergarten to have the same education. So what we did was we created a priority for kids who qualified for free and reduced hot lunch so that the school mm. was literally 40% those kids. But then you had somebody that was, was somebody like my kids. And then you had somebody that was, you know, like the head of Showtime. His kids went there. Wow. Um, and so we started with kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And now we go all through high school and those kids are going to Harvard, Yale, Georgetown, Stanford. Wow. They're kicking the butts of the private schools, they I'll are. tell you what. They are. But and Heather, it, you have this idea. How do you, like, so anyone could think of that. Like, oh, I see we need more diversification <laughs> in like in a school system. And yeah. we have that here in LA. It's a beautiful thing. How do you actually do it though? Did yeah. you have to like raise money? Oh, or are you yeah. like petitioning? Like how do you actually make the idea a dream? We had to raise money. We had to write a charter. The hardest thing, which is what I was responsible for, was finding facilities. Uh, because in Los Angeles, finding a facility is impossible. And I actually had found this old Catholic school and they didn't want to rent it. But then I found out that the priest went to high school with my father. And so my father like calls up the priest and is like, come on, father, like it's a good. Anyway, so like it wasn't easy. How about that is an answer. And wow. we started, we, we raised $14,000 at a garage sale. And that's how we Stop started. It. That's it's how you started so the church incredible. school. incredible. And now you have two campuses. I mean, we grew from there and then we would have huge fundraisers. And now we- You have your second, you have a, another We bought campus. a building. <laughs> bought a building. Like it's We have four campuses now. And, how many um, total students go there? Oh gosh, I should have done this research. Around, <laughs> uh, around. Uh, a couple thousand. Oh. Yeah. That's probably and it's one of the most coveted schools like to get into. And when people are listening to this, do you, I mean, you hear things like, oh, it's a lottery. Sure. They pick names out of a hat. I will tell you, my children could not go to this school. There's no frenzies. The, the well, fairness, the school will get shut was, down if we are not school, fair exactly. about and, what and it, it is. The only, there was no, you couldn't kiss anybody's ass to get in. The only wow. priority you have is is if you qualify for, for free and reduced hot lunch because it was very important to keep that be. dynamic. And, and really the way that kids learned from each other and the values that they learned from coming from different backgrounds. And, um, and yeah, it was super... I, it, it is just, it's phenomenal that you accomplished. It is one of the most coveted schools. It's very, so cool. I, I mean, Heather and I come from very different backgrounds, but the fact of the matter is our understanding, and I mean, this goes back to you asking about our business partnership. The fact of the matter is when we became friends 15 years ago, we saw in the other something that was a fire that, that, that drove our every single waking day, which yeah. is to create fairness and kindness among people and how, and looking, and we would have conversations about, well, you see what's going on with education. You see what's going on with spirituality. You see what's going on with with violence and crime, and what and every single thing we would talk about, we'd start to try to figure out a solution or how we could add to it or what. And it's what got us. Yes, it's why we're not wealthy women today. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go to your trading secret, because we wrap up every podcast where we get a trading secret from our, our guests, and it's something they can't see in a textbook or Google or find anything as it relates yeah. to career navigation or financial success. Oh, we success. know. We're fans, Jason. We're fans. We know the trading secret. <laughs> I'm a fan of Better Together. I love being on Better Together. Before we, we go there, there's, there's one I got to ask you, and, yes. and it's about because people will listen to this and I know what they're going to think. I'm going to get in the head of my viewers. Oh, I'm curious. And they'll think something like this. Like, what if Anne wasn't noticed for her unbelievable talent when she was? Or I've heard people say to me, like, they'll, we'll have a couple drinks. They'll pose to me. Like, imagine if Tom Brady didn't 
play football or Wayne Gretzky ended up playing lacrosse as a kid and not hockey. So someone out there that thinks maybe they could be an actor, maybe they have what it takes, or maybe they're funny or they have the talent, but they don't even know where to even start in the field. What advice would you give to, I don't know, a 12 year old, an 18 year old, a 24 year old, a 50 year old, anybody that's like, before I die, I want to say I gave that a shot. What would you say? Well, you have to take the risk to be seen. Oh, I like that. And how do you get seen? I mean, first of all, I want to say that if you can be a girl who was born into a sex cult in Aurora, Ohio, (laughs) and get homeless in Atlantic City and become the it girl and then the not it girl and then the better together girl, you can pretty much do anything. Okay. (laughs) I'm clapping. What a good answer. Get seen Um, and just do it. Just I would say it starts in local theater, not that I'm an actor. When I say be seen, what that means is, do you know what I did? And this some was against my one. So every Sunday I had to sing in church. Now I had to sing in church. It was my only outlet. I couldn't wait to get out of the house. The house was abused and in getting up on stage and singing. even if I sang the same Amazing Grace, anyway, I did it. Now, funnily enough, I was seen in church and, and there are the blessings. Again, now we're talking about the doors that open to angels. You also have to say, yes, that's your second risk. Wait, I will go audition. Uh, okay, I'm listening to that. If you're seen and you're putting your light and shining it into the face and the eyes of those that can receive it, then you will be met with who you are. For me, I have to, for me, I say you got to be 100% you though. There's not a little bit of love and hate. There's not even a point, zero percent part of hate in love. And with yourself, I would say the challenges, especially in anything that you're trying to do, you got to be 100% in check with who you are, making the decisions for yourself that you think are best, which takes an agreement principle with yourself about what you're about and purpose. And we need to and want to encourage purpose and not only our listeners on Better Together, but with everybody, because once you, command your own purpose, then your heart, your mind, and your body start to follow that through. And you're the only one who can let you down on that. You're never going to hit the other mark of meeting the 100% of what you want unless you're 100% available for it. That hits not only on, I think, acting, but almost any industry. Like so. have that agreement policy, be have seen, and put yourself policy, in a position to be seen. All right, let's wrap up with two trading secrets. We have these badass women that have been through it all, working mothers, successful business partners, oh. crushing in Hollywood. They say no to the star because it's too damn expensive. And now we know I fucking love it. All right. Give me a trading secret, Heather. And why don't we start with you, Heather? Give me a trading secret uh, that you could share with our listeners who are looking to make differences and changes in their career development or financial success. I think that people often have the misconception that kindness is weakness in business. Mm -hmm. And I think that in business and life, it's all about building relationships and building relationships is all about trust, how we talked about. So my trading secret is what I say on our show, which is don't be a dick. (laughs) I love that. That And it applies to business. It applies to life. People want to work with somebody who is not a dick. I've hired people that were less qualified and and want to work with people based on the fact that they're pleasant (laughs) rather than uh, somebody who might be more qualified or more well-known and, um, and they're not as kind. So I think that uh, I think that's underrated in business and I would like to see more of it. 
don't be a dick. It'll catch up to you, right? Shortcuts, play the long card game. And I think both you two are great success stories of playing the long card game and doing it the right way. And while there might be those periods of hell, it'll pay off. I love that. Don't be a dick. All right. And give us a trading secret. What do you got? Um, Mine is the mistake is the messenger. So the mistake of the messenger means when something comes your way, and, and this isn't just in business, but, it, but I do see this in life too. When you're confronting something that looks like that is not what you want to be happening, that is the exact opposite. Oh my God. And then our emotions get all stirred up and we're going to go and fight that. And that makes me mad. And now I'm going to complain. And now I'm going to focus all my energy on the fact that mistake happened to me. That takes a whole lot of work. Or you can look at the mistake and go, let me pause here for a second. What might I be looking at? And I'm going to give you an example. The example is Dancing with the Stars. I want this to become full circle yeah. here. I got kicked off Dancing with the Stars. We talked about the, the negativity of that. I could have embraced that. Oh my God, I got kicked off. I'm going to go and stomp my feet and go scream. My, or I'm going to start a podcast because you know what? We've been talking about this for a year and now I'm going to the opportunity to do it. <laughs> so let's go. And our and what that did was focus us. It went bam. We just came off an $8 million a week. $8 million what? An 8 million uh, person uh, audience view per yep. week, right? It was, it was like per 8 week. million people watched that show. That was news yep. to you. Sorry, that, that was news <laughs> to me. I was like, ooh, 8 million people. Let's start a podcast and maybe we'll get a couple. Maybe we'll hook a couple. Let's go fishing. It's true. It was. It, it really was a, a moment for me that I had commanded more of an of attention from an audience than I, than I had in an awfully long time, probably ever. Thank you, Heather. And we took the opportunity to go, okay, now's our time. We've told your story. We, that we, We're ready to now be broadening uh, what it is that our, that our goals were. Again, purpose, focus. We knew what we were doing. We knew what we wanted to do. We had it all set up and then I got fired. So we started our podcast. <laughs> so when things don't go your way, pay attention to maybe there's, to the opposite. Maybe there's, there's something a, else there's that was supposed there. to happen that's actually even better. And by the yeah. way, that, by the way, you don't have a choice anyway, because the thing already happened. So sure. how we look at it and taking perspective is a really, it's really key because you can't change it. It really is your perspective that's going to give you the opportunity to do embrace it or not. And the other thing that I want to add- We got to shut up. We've this, been babbling for I know, but I do want to say this as a trading <laughs> I want to hear it. What do we got? <laughs> we have the opportunity to do whatever we can do with ourselves. So if we want to hone our skills, say I'm an archer, I have my bow, I have my arrow, I have my body, I'm, I can be lean, I can make myself ready to shoot. I can hone that, I can polish it and sand it and make it all ready. When I get ready to put that bow and arrow up and I see my target, once I let that arrow go, I want it because of everything that I've done to hit that center in that target. Uh -huh. But if it doesn't, it means there's something better that it's aimed for. Ooh. As long as you know that you've done everything completely, exactly in tune in the harmony with everything that is the best you can do. Once you know that, you get the grace of God with you because that flight takes flight and you just know you did everything possible that you could have. So there's nothing to be disappointed about. There's only the opportunity to see the surprise on the other side. I love that philosophical. I like that was very deep. Two great <laughs> trading secrets. Don't be a dick. When one door closes, another one opens. So That's many right. opportunities are to be seen. And I like the Archer comment. Like if it's not there, there's a reason it's there. And you have to analyze like kind of everything that happens in your life and like what you can do with it to put 
put yourself yes. in a better position. Uh, and Heather, thank you guys so much for your time. You. Anyone that's heard all the stuff going on, the school that you guys, that you have, Heather, uh, that uh, and the movie that's coming out, of course, your podcast, where can people find you guys and everything that you two have going on? Well, if anybody wants to donate to Larchmont Charter, because we do um, make the curriculum that we make and on donations, it's larchmontcharter.com. And our podcast is Better Together with Ann and Heather. We have episodes that come out every Thursday. We drop another one tomorrow. And you can find those wherever you find your podcast. And at the first of every month, you can find the one and only Jason Tardick (laughs) teaching us all about money matters. And you guys have the Instagram handle for the Better Together, right? We do. Because I follow that. And we have Better Together. You can go to anh.com. Yeah, go follow us on Instagram. And have some fun. We have some fun on TikTok too. So. Look out for us that. coming in some other platform sometime soon. Yeah, we might be. Uh, we got a, we we got a surprise up our sleeve. Then, then you actually know. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll be able to tell you some good news on our finance day when All we see Jason right. Tardick. I can't wait for that news. And real quick, in the movie that's coming out, when is it coming out? And where can people find the movie? 13 minutes. And by the way, it's happening in the theaters and it's so incredible that the theaters are open again. So please go. It's a disaster movie. You want to see all the special effects. And it comes out October 29th. There you go. Hell yes. We got it all. And thank Heather, you. thank you so much thank for you, your love. time today we and going in depth you. into your lives and your stories. So many people will hear about what you guys have uh, endured. And I think most importantly, how you've overcome it and stayed to true to who you are. Uh, that'll inspire and, and challenge them to think differently as they continue to move in the direction they're moving in. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, darling. Can't wait to see you next. Likewise. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell with a deep, 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 deep episode with Anne and Heather. We talked all about the acting industry. We talked about Heather's career and changes she made as a working mother. And then we got into the the very specific weeds of Anne's upbringing, some of the struggles she faced, how she overcome that, overcame them, and just essentially like how it got her to where she is today. And it seems like every instance in which she hit rock bottom years later, those things, those principal competencies like kept coming to fruition. It was, it was deep, but it was also fascinating to learn about the acting and actress industry. Wild. So David, I can't wait to get your take on this. I know you got a little emotional side in there. Talk to me. What are you thinking right now, right here? What do you got for me? I got my notes in front of me. Okay. Before I get to them, what is on, are those new headphones? (laughs) I'm blinded by these things. It's like you got the. It's like you got a Cadillac Escalade on your ears right now, <laughs> David. I'm not even joking you. Like when I open these headphones, so these are these KLH Ultimate ones, and when I open them, they come in this. Okay, look at this. You can see this. It's like this luxurious yeah. soft carry bag. But wait, wait till you see this. This is a hard sided black leather traveling case. Oh when I God. open these things, I'm like, oh my God, David's gonna absolutely chirp me and be like, where the Hell, am I getting a pair of those? Because yes. you got like where you are mine? Yours are kind of shot. Those look like when you get like a Louis Vuitton bag, and they come in like the nice little like uh, silk bag and like the box. Like they, that thing's got the whole setup. <laughs> the, and you know what? I'm I'm even rattled because I 
my headphones, the cushion has been off for three months and I finally got around to super gluing it. So I was going to come <laughs> on and be like, Jay, I finally fixed my headphones and here you are just like rolling in my face. I honestly was like terrified to be wearing these because yours like aren't even like on your, on your head. These, are they, how are they? They're actually pretty nice. So I feel like they're so comfortable. I could wear these things for like hours. So while I'm going to use these for podcasting, I'm 100% going to use them like on an airplane too. It's got this like, I don't know, it's like premium leather with, and it's you know those memory foam pillows? Yes, those look like pillows. It's honestly, it, it seems like a. It literally is a memory foam pil- like pillow on my ear. Love that. Are you jealous? Extremely. I spend six hours on a bus on road trips every weekend for hockey. I need some KLHs in my life. I don't even know what brand those are, but we're gonna get you these because too. Also, like I hear your voice in these headphones, these KLH uh, Ultimate ones. It's like uh, you're very crisp. I can hear you mm. to like a T. Chris. Okay, we'll get we you a pair. That. Okay, I we knew I knew I put these on. I'm like, here we go. He's going to chirp me. No, I love it. All I right, well, it. let's get into this here. So, And I know you break everything, so these things are going to have a two-year <laughs> warranty. But anyway, let's get there into it. Uh, David, what are you thinking now that I've got my Cadillacs on and who knows what you got on there? Um, <laughs> what'd you think of the episode? Um, I thought it was great, honestly. Um. You know, to be honest, when I was recapping and I recapped it this morning, right before we, we recorded this, I had no idea who Anne H was. Um, I didn't even know she was an actress. So I was really going to this blind. And I think that my takeaway at the end of it is like, this is why podcasts are simply the best. Yeah. Like, here's honestly. an opportunity that I'm taking an hour out of my life to listen to someone for some reason that I, that I choose to spend my time. And I just come away with such like a a good feeling, like a gratifying feeling, a a really strong positive takeaway on just like, you know, possibilities and opportunities. And like, it was just a really awesome story. I think it's cool too, because like, if you ask my mom, she would know everything about Anne, right? Different demographics, Mm -hmm. different timing. You may never come across her. So to have her come on and tell this deep story about, I mean, everything, right? Like her homelessness, that she lived out of a car. She's a 12 year old being the breadwinner for her family. Her father dying of AIDS and and cheating on her, her her mother with with men and just like everything it was it was deep it was it was so fascinating to hear where she's been and how she's gotten throughout those tough times and she said it wasn't until the 59th minute like she she said in the first minute almost like she i was raised in a cult and i was like whoa like reading the bible and then at the end she's like raised in a sex cult and i was like geez and one of the fascinating things before we get into some business things that i found is you can really tell that she's an actress because the whole time I was listening to this, I'm visualizing like her being homeless in Atlantic City, like living in this like tiny place, like three people in a, in a twin bed. Like I'm actually like feel like I'm watching a movie in my own head just through her story. So she's she's a, a f- fascinating human being, a, a phenomenal actress and uh, really, really enjoyed uh, listening to her stories. It's actually a good point. Like you think about when you tell stories, whether it's at work or maybe you're trying to get a new client, like there is something about what Anne does when she speaks that she takes you to the place, right? Mm-hmm. Like when she talked about like her house having the, 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 the wrap around it and she couldn't go in and like she, as she was telling it, I'm visualizing and I'm seeing that. And I, I don't do that with like really anyone, but think about if I could talk to you like that, or I could talk to a client like that, or I could talk to someone mm-hmm. else, like put them in the exact scenario I'm trying to paint. I mean, she did that. Just incredibly, just incredibly. And you know, it's authentic when she's getting emotional in her own story that she's probably told a million times in your podcast. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was obviously those are, 
deep, deep rooted like memories she's reliving at an age that was probably she doesn't want to go back to, right? Just so how did you, when did you when did you first meet Anne? I assume it's something around Dancing with the Stars, like Yeah, so it was through Dancing with the Stars, and then I went on her podcast with her and Heather. Caitlin and I did it. It's called Better Together. And uh-huh. so we just kind of really hit it off there. I actually do one segment a month on their podcast, and we do some type of financial uh, segment. So it'll have a theme different uh, every month. But um, then I actually, so I got to know her, but remember I was really good friends with Keo, the dancer, yes. Keo. So, you know, yeah, I feel like Keo and I had a falling out, but Keo was dancing with Anne. And I remember I was with Keo that night that Anne got eliminated. And that's why I wanted to revisit it. Cause I remember him saying like, she was just really upset. Like I remember him mm-hmm. saying, I was like, oh, did you get to talk to her? Like I didn't expect she would have been voted off because him and I hung out that night. And he was just like, she just took off. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to ask her, like, what was it because you had felt that like you'd opened the story back up and they kind of like took you off there. And apparently that was dead on. Like you heard what she said. I mean, the ripple effects, like 20 years ago, she talked about walking the red carpet with Ellen and then getting fired the next day, $10 million losses and never getting a big, uh, what you call it, a big picture, mm-hmm. uh, a studio picture. Studio picture, uh, yeah. Yeah, studio picture and just... I can only imagine, you know, rehashing those and, and not seeing our society or or her industry getting better with, you know, what she's trying to advocate. But, you know, it clearly hasn't stopped her, which is admirable. And I got a question for you. Obviously, you have a gay brother, Stephen. He's one of the funniest, generous, uh, much better looking versions of yourself. <laughs> um, and, you know, how close to home does that hit for you in terms of just, you know, seeing your brother in an industry in a big city like New York, um, just having to navigate like, you know, his life and, and, and things that he's had to go through. Yeah. I think, you know, you, you go back to the end thing real quick. I think I immediately think trailblazer. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I think the same with my brother and it's just, it's so disturbing to me that she walks on the red carpet with a female and is fired the next day. And at that time, just goes unnoticed. That is typical standard protocol. Of course she's fired. That's what the society thinks. Um, you think about how far we've come from that. And that's because of people like Anne. That's because of people um, like my brother who are willing to say like, I'm going to fight for what I believe in and my happiness and equal rights. And I'm going to do it at all costs. And I think anything and everything we can do as a society to um, protect and encourage and, and be an ally within that community is just so, so important. But it is so refreshing to see that like we're here in 2020 and there's so much work to be done, but we're mm. here in 2021 listening to this story and we are just like what how could that possibly happen and to me that's such an indicator that obviously things are moving in the way they need to and we just need to continue that momentum and you see dancing with the stars this year i don't know how much you've watched of it yeah they have the peloton i forget his name the peloton guy he's he's openly gay on the show and and his partner was just on last week and jojo siwa they'll let dance with uh with another female yep um that's the first same sex um yeah uh dance partners yeah yeah phenomenal season two i've been watching it it's really good i'll also say this though it's interesting to watch with low i would have i just my through my lens, I would have never caught this. But Lo was like, yeah, you know, it's great, right? This is amazing. We have two female dancers dancing together. Um, this is what I want to see. But he said, do you notice that Cody uh, is a gay man dancing with a 
female. Uh, so but, he's like, we clearly still have work to, to go mm, because I said, I, yeah, you know, he, there was something he took away from that as a gay man 100%. saying like, okay, 100%. we can have a female with a female, but we still aren't comfortable yet to have a gay man with either a straight or gay man. Right. So I actually said that I, to Ashley when we were watching. Did you notice? Day. Cause I didn't even pick 100%. up on that. And I was like, oh my God, low. That's such a good point. I didn't realize it until I brought his partner in to like be a part of the week and watch the dances or I'm like, this yeah. is so anyways, um, business stuff. We got to get there. We got a couple minutes left. Let's do it. Um, I'm the voice of the viewer. Yes. And I think that you, my are. thoughts are going to resonate with your thoughts. And I want to ask you, what were some of the biggest surprises in the business slash financial areas of this episode that you took away from the whole like acting actress, Hollywood industry because that she talked about, because we haven't really had anyone from this industry on yet. Mm -hmm, so I'm mm -hmm. just curious, like what were some takeaways, two or three things that you were like, wow, that surprised me. Cause I have uh, a couple too. A few takeaways. I still am always completely perplexed at how actors and actresses get found, get no, how their <laughs> talent is discovered. Because if you look at the stories, there is no consistency. It was interesting to see what she said. That's pretty much what she said. Like, if you think you have talent, you have to find yourself to be seen. Because all these stories, like some of the most famous actresses were just walking down the street and someone's like, hey, why don't we pick you up? Or, or you know, um, and got into the school that she wouldn't have been able to get in otherwise. So that's the biggest thing, discovery, like how they actually get discovered. Mm -hmm. A couple other big things are, the fact that the whole idea of like your next gig is wild, right? Like you could have like these independent little chop shops where you're making like 10, 20, 50, maybe 60, and that's going well, but you film it long periods of time and just not knowing what's next. Like when she said working actress, we have a buddy uh, who's out in LA, had a huge show. Like I say his name, I don't know if he's talked about it. He hasn't been able to pick anything up since that show and no longer can afford LA. So the whole crazy lifestyle of the, the ups and downs and lefts and rights, it almost seems, and what I've seen, David, too, it's interesting. A lot of bachelor people go on to get these like hosting gigs. I'm not talking about Caitlin. I'm talking about like whether they're in like pop culture or they're yeah. in like these different, it's like sports and stuff. And I, from what I've learned is that, and I'd like to get some of these people on, they don't, like TV and stuff doesn't really pay well unless you're mm -hmm. like really at the top of the game, really at the top of the game. And the last thing is even with that being said, the ups and downs, it's interesting to see an actress like Anne, who of course has had huge pinnacles, still over that 30 year period, she said it herself, her worst year was 2020 when she made a hundred grand. So obviously for 30 years, she's been doing pretty good mm -hmm. if that's your lowest, lowest year, right? What do you think about like she's that? She's grinding right now, though. 100K from Dancing with the Stars, which she basically like not only took for the insurance, which I found was fascinating. The whole insurance the insurance aspect, aspect. Through yeah, yeah. Um, which SEGAFTA is something that you're going to have to explain. Is that an acronym? SEGAFTA? Do you know? So, so what it is is it's actually a union for actors. Okay. Um, and so it is. Uh, and it's yeah, it's a union that represents. Um, actors and actresses to protect yeah. their best interests. Similar to, you know, how there are unions for uh, individuals that work in, in, in warehouses and plants. Like they protect your hours worked, minimum payments, things like that. Sports league, et cetera. They all have them. So exactly. But yeah, no, I think about it all the time. Like one name that pops to my head, like remember Taylor Lautner? Yes. The guy from Twilight. Like yes. he's known as like not a one hit wonder, but like the biggest hit ever. And like, he hasn't been able to get like sustained jobs since. And I've like Great. read Adam articles on it and stuff. So like when you use the term working actor, it's just, it's just pretty fascinating. What I, you know, she said, and one thing too, about 
um, agent fees and manager fees. You know, we've talked about Joe Galliaze having 20% and talking about agents taking 20% fees in this in the social media influencer realm. We've now heard heard talk about actor and actresses paying their agents 10% fees. We've talked to Biz Nasty about NHL players paying a two or three percent salary fee. How do these different industries and agents of different industries are they able to charge such varying fees? Like just something that I'm curious about, like how is there not like a standard like representation fee and, and why are certain industries able to, I guess, milk, milk their client for more? It's honestly, it's, I think it's one of the best questions you've ever proposed. <laughs> it to me makes no sense. There is no equation for it. The only thing that I can bring to it is more of a supply demand thing and educational mm. gap is like, as people within those industry become more educated and there becomes more representation of agents, which have more competition, the more open communication starts happening and people start saying, Hey, that person got you there. That person got you there. Stuff that we're doing right now in the social media space. Like I'll talk to a guy that gets off the batch or something. He'll ask me, I'll be like, Hey, be aware of this, be aware of this, mm -hmm. educate yourself with this. Cause I had it done to me. So make sure it doesn't happen to you. I think that's what happens, but I don't know. Do you have a take yes. on it? I, I don't, I don't. I just was curious if you kind of like, dawns on me because every time i hear it i'm like that doesn't make sense or like 20 like that shocks me 10 that shocks me being a hockey guy and a sports guy like i've always fun functioned under the assumption that it's like a two three percent fee so when i hear like social media influencers having to pay their agent 20 percent or or you know actresses and hey like been around for 20 years like having yeah. to pay the 10 percent like it's almost like wait you haven't earned that like that fee down to like, yeah. like, a, like a mortgage, like 2%, but no, it's, it's just really interesting. And then the last thing that I'm going to say, cause I know we're running out of time is 30 K for a Hollywood star on the walk. <laughs> that's, of that's, that's, that Heather was like, that I was like, no way that was trading secret central for me. I was like, are you kidding me? You dude? It's just like, star. <laughs> you know what it is? You know what that reminds me of? Cause I'm dropping a lot of old episodes in that reminds me of like Gary V like why digital wallets will be successful because people want to show off like what they own. It's right. like people will pay 30 K to have a star to be like, yeah, that's cloud. That's me. Star. I'm on that. I'm that guy. I'm on the Hollywood walk of fame. Wild concept. It reminds me, David, of the lists. Like when people are on like a Forbes top 20 list or, you know, the biggest leader in certain industries, that's, that's exactly, there's a lot of PR money that goes into actually spending those dollars. I also want to wrap too with Heather. I think it's really cool how Heather saw an opportunity with the schools and then was like, let's just start our own. Like you talk about taking initiative next level. And it's cool to see their partnership and even how she was paid uh, on Dancing with the Stars. Her story is great. Anne's story is great. Um, so this was a very deep podcast, uh, one that uh, I'll remember for quite some time and some unbelievable takeaways. So if you enjoyed it, please make sure to give us five stars. Throw your Instagram handle on there. We have a team reaching out to people that give us this review. And if you have any interest in ever joining these live podcasts with us, you can. We have a membership group that's only nine bucks a month business networking. We have a day trader. We have an HR representative. We have an investment banker. We have a CPA. So you get all the professionals, one-stop shops, only nine bucks a month. Just email us, restart at jasontardic.com if you have any interest. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Trading Secrets with Anne and Heather. Hopefully one you feel as though you could not afford to miss. We'll see you next Monday.